0: Welcome into the Wednesday Bible study. Uh, we are excited to continue our journey through the Book of Genesis. Today we will be in Genesis forty-three, and uh, and we just want to start. Uh, you know, you guys that join us all over the country, even around the world, either here on the YouTube channel, uh, or the archives on the YouTube channel, or the audio-only archives on the podcast channel. You know that within the room here, we have a group of men that have been some of them have been meeting together uh, for eight years. So we've had guys that have been joining us on and off over this, this time period. And we have been praying for one of our, our guys here, Jerry, uh, with all that's been going on with his back surgery. And we are pleased today to look in this room and see Jerry returning back in here today, Jerry. So those, you've been praying for Jerry, he is back and he is in his spot. Uh, And he's ready, and I understand he was holding court in the parking lot, so we knew he was almost fully recovered now. It was good, and even through tradition, walked right through the camera shot right to begin with. So, Jerry, great to see you. We love you, buddy. And all these guys, look at all these men and the camera. There's no telling how many people out there or people listening right now to audio only have been praying for you. You have been covered in prayer. And uh, So thank you for making the effort to be back with us today. It means more when you're in the room with us. Okay? Uh, All right, so let's look at a a couple of things this week uh, with themanchurch.com. We have a couple of Man Churches going on Friday night. Uh, If you're listening, uh, and today is November the 2nd, on November the 4th, Uh, We have a a man church at my home church, Valleydale, in Birmingham, uh, in Rich Wingo. You know, my dear friend and uh, just a powerful man of God will be bringing the message. And we also will provide dinner. It will be 20 different recipes of chili. So uh, if, uh, if, if you have a stomach of iron, come on. If you don't bring whatever you need to to get through the service so anyways and and rich will do the service after we did we'd love to know you were coming you don't have to pay for it but we'd love to know you're coming uh valleydale.org or just go to themanchurch.com and click that link and register and let us know you're coming so we'll make sure we got enough chili for you uh and then you can get into one of our small groups if you're not not already in one including this one uh also november the 5th uh, first Baptist Church, Crestview, Florida. That's this Saturday, and Mark Garnett will be there. They're wrapping up their first year uh, with uh, with the Man Church. And then I'll be going to Americus, Georgia, uh, Benny and I, from uh, talking here, we're talking about America's Georgia. Uh, this uh, they do the men's discipleship strategy, but this is an, a big outreach fall festival. Uh, of course, Mac Powell will be in concert. Uh, there'll be some other uh, bluegrass bands that'll be playing before him. Uh, I'll be doing a message uh, uh, in between the two uh, Mac Powell sets. Uh, so, if you'd like to join us at Central Baptist Church in America's Georgia. On, uh, on Sunday afternoon uh, after church, just come. We, we'd love to have you there. There's going to be food. Uh, it's going to be kind of a, a, a fall festival set up, and uh, you'll eat real good. You'll hear great music. We'll have praise and worship, and I'll be bringing a message uh, from God's Holy Word as well. So uh, that's what's going on this week. Uh, the Man Church Conference is coming February 24th and 25th. If you have not gotten those tickets, I need to tell you two things. Ticket prices will go up. In, in 2023 if you wait to january the tickets are actually going to cost more so don't do that uh, go ahead and get it done if you need more than 10 tickets uh, some of you are emailing going look we're trying to take all of our men from our church and our men's group uh, but we, we we need more than 10 tickets and it's limiting us to 10 that's true online only so if you need more than 10 just simply call the box office, and and you'll find that number uh, there at the at the website at themanchurch.com. Click on that link, and that'll get you with the Performing Arts Center in my hometown of Oxford, Alabama. They're hosting the first ever Man Church Conference, and we would love for you to come and be part of that. It's going to be uh, fellowship. It's going to be discipleship, and it's going to be high challenge, uh, and some great praise and worship music from our worship leader, Chuck Hooten, uh, who if you've never heard him lead worship, he is fantastic. So uh, find all those details at themanchurch.com. Uh, click on the conference logo right there on the home page. It, it, you'll see that. It, it, when you go there, you'll see it right there, right here. This is what you're looking for, If you, the screen behind me. Click on that and then get your tickets. But if you need more than 10, just call the box office. They'll take care of that. And these are reserved seats, so you have your seats for the whole weekend. All right, so let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for today. I pray, Lord, we just celebrate watching Jerry come back in this room. Uh, I know this has been a a long, hard fight. I know they're still fighting to do, uh, but, Lord, seeing what you have done uh, is, is something to celebrate today. Uh, And we are thankful for that. Be with all the different men and all the different situations and the the families uh, that we represent. Uh, And, of course, uh, for the the single men in the room, I pray, Lord, you continue to mold them into the men that only you can. May they look to the wisdom in this room uh, and learn from it. Uh, But most importantly, may they learn the wisdom that only you provide. Uh, And help us, Lord, as we unpack your word today. In your holy name we pray, amen. So Genesis chapter 43, can you believe that we now enter into our 11th month walking through the book of Genesis? Uh, it has been such an educational journey for me. I hope it has been for you. So here's where we find ourselves. Uh, we, we know in world history uh, that we, Joseph has risen to power. Uh, he is now, God has placed him in charge of dispensing the grain during a famine. We know that his brothers have have made their way uh, to get grain from him as sent by Jacob. They do not recognize Joseph. Joseph does recognize them, and he is testing them to see if they are repentant uh, or or have they changed from the people they once were. Uh, He saw some evidence of that with Reuben, uh, last week. And that moved him to the point that he stepped aside and wept. Uh, but now we have Joseph's brothers. They have gone back home, uh, and they have met with Jacob, uh, their father, uh, they have run out of grain again, uh, and they need to return to Egypt, uh, which is, and, and Simeon remember was taken into custody, uh, by Joseph. So he is now in jail uh, we, we theorized uh, that, uh, that Simeon was left there instead of Reuben because Joseph saw Reuben's repentance um, uh, from, from uh, what, had, what they did to Joseph. Uh, but now we, we, we're going to start out with uh, the brothers, knowing they need to return, knowing that Joseph, who they don't know is Joseph, they think it's an Egyptian that could do them harm, uh, they need to return. We know they, they looked and one of them looked in their sack and, and discovered that they, that they still had their money. They're afraid that they're going to get in trouble for having the money and the grain. They're also they, they're, they can't return without Benjamin. Uh, so now they've got to pitch Jacob again uh, to see if they can't get him to go along with uh, Benjamin going with them. So verses one and two. Now the famine was severe in the land. And when they had eaten the grain that they had bought, uh, brought from Egypt, uh, their father said to them, go again, buy us a little food. So it's out. They've run out of it. And, and, and you, you see Jacob saying, hey, hey, boys, y'all need to go back and, and get us some more grain. We're out. Go buy us a little more. Well, now, and, and I want you to pay attention to the narrative of the brothers now because this narrative is taking a very important turn, uh, because you're going to start seeing Judah become the prominent brother. Uh, this is significant. Why? Because we know that Jesus comes from the line of Judah. Uh, Judah is uh, is the brother that will eventually give to us Messiah. So watch Judah now taking you know kind of a, a lead role here, and we'll we'll talk about why that is. Uh, so verses. Um, the next few verses, 3 through 5, uh, and here's here's what uh, the scriptures tell us. But Judah said to him, the man solemnly warned us, saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If, if you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Hey, Dad, we can't go back without Benjamin. It's going to be bad. And how about this? It's going to be so bad we're not going back if we don't take Benjamin with us uh, because this man told us clearly, don't come stand before me without your younger brother. And uh, Judah is, is back in good standing with Jacob. If, if you remember, we, we, we had some problems there. Uh, but now he's back in, in good standing. Um, and and Jacob is okay with them going back, but he's not okay with them going back with Benjamin. He has Benjamin. He has not committed to that. Judah now takes the lead in the in the brothers. Because remember, uh, you know, Reuben has had a fallen out with his dad, uh, and of course, um, Levi has had a falling out with dad. Judah has worked his way back into good standing with dad, and now is taking the role as the as as the dominant brother in the group so here now Jacob now uh, responds and, and Judah did a good job of emphasizing what did he say we're not supposed to go back without Benjamin oh by the way he said I want to emphasize this again you know if you're ever trying to make a point with somebody you don't tell them once you tell them twice I, I want to repeat that that if we go back without Benjamin it's going to be bad so bad we're not going to go back without him uh, so now Jacob weighs in in verses 6 and 7, of course, also called Israel because that is his new name. And we talked about how Moses calls him Jacob sometimes. He calls him Israel sometimes. This time he uses Israel. Israel said, why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? Now, making know that, how, how does he even find out about this brother? How, you know, This is the first time that now there's some things for them to think about how did he know we had a younger brother and why did he inquire about the brother? And really Israel was asking, I don't even know how he knows y'all We even have Benjamin. How did he even know that? Uh, and they replied, the man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred saying, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him was in answer to these questions. Could we in any way? know?" That he would say, "Bring your brother down here." Uh, and, and, I mean, so you see, the brothers they're saying back to their dad. The dad objects, but he but he, he he wants to know why he would even ask about Benjamin. And here's really what the brothers said back, Dad. He peppered us with questions. Uh, and you, you see where there should be some lines being drawn right now. Why in the world is this guy in Egypt asking if our daddy's still alive? asking if we have another younger brother, and Israel is, is finding that to be strange. The boys are like, look, we're in a bind, and the guy peppered us with questions, and all we did is answer his questions. We didn't know he was setting us up, that he wanted us to bring our brother to him. We didn't know what he was doing. We just simply asked answered the questions that we were asked. And Judah, now we're calling him Judah, uh, and Judah steps up again and says to Israel his father, Send the boy with me. Now, y'all pay attention to this. This is important. This is coming back when, when we keep going uh, in, 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 the, in the, the studies that are just around the corner. You need to remember verse 8 of Genesis 43. And Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and and you, and also our little ones. I will be a, a pledge of his safety from my hand. You shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If we had not delayed, we would now have returned twice. I, I, you know, the, this thing with Benjamin is it, it, bogging everything down. We wouldn't be out of grain now. If you had just let us go on and go, you keep delaying us going because you won't release Benjamin, so I'm going to step up right now and I'm going to take responsibility for the safety of my brother. Now remember, his, his, his three older brothers had, had lost favor with their father uh, because they, bought, they brought disgrace upon him. Judah uh, you know, was not the primary heir. Uh, but Reuben, Simeon, and Levi, they, they're, they're out of favor with Dad now. So Judah is, is likely going to now receive what those three brothers would have received if they had not fallen out of favor with Dad. And um, Reuben, for taking uh, one of Dad's concubines, uh, and, then, uh, and then Levi and Simeon, as we know, because of what they did uh, in response to Dinah being defiled, when they killed everybody and and upset everybody and got turned everybody against their dad and their family. So, so Judah is stepping up saying, "Hey, you I'm back in good standing with you. I know you still got problems with the older brothers and what they did. I'm going to take responsibility." Now, why this is also important and it's going to become more important as we go forward. At least Reuben, even though he's still at odds with dad over over what he did, but at least Reuben did tell the brothers, we don't need to harm the boy. Remember Reuben's speech? This is, hey, we're all in trouble because we did what we should not have done what we did. Don't miss, Judah didn't say that. Judah was all in on getting rid of Joseph. But now he's stepping up and saying, nothing will happen to Benjamin. This is Okay, let me have Benjamin. I know you're worried that you're going to lose another son. I'll make sure that doesn't happen. Pay attention to that. That's important because what? Well, that's a change of attitude. Okay? I will make sure that the boy comes back. It, his responsibility will be mine, and, and may whatever needs to happen, happen. I'll take the total blame if I don't bring him back to you. That, that's an important turn for Judah, and pay attention to it. Uh, all right. Uh, verses 11 through 14. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags, carry a present down to the man, a little balm and a little honey, some gum, some myrrh, uh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take double the money with you. Because, you know, Israel's not hurting for money, okay? He said, not only take back the money that I sent for you to buy the grain the first time, give that back, but also give back double, Okay? And so take that with you uh, and, uh, and said, uh, also carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. He said, maybe, maybe they didn't even know you, you had it. Own up to it, let them know you got it, but then give them double that. Take also your brother and arise, and go again to the man. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, and may he send back your other brother and Benjamin. As for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Let it be as it is. Notice, notice he doesn't call Simeon by name. Your other brother and Benjamin will come back to me. He doesn't even name uh Simeon. So this is dad trying to help out the situation. This is just smart. He's saying, look, go to Egypt. I'll let you take Benjamin. And when and when you when you see there, when you see him, take some gifts. Look. You need to be in good standing with this guy. If we got a chance to get Simeon back, of course, he doesn't call him Simeon. He says your brother and Benjamin do everything you can do. What to grease the wheel. uh, take him these gifts, take him double the silver, uh, own up to the fact that it's in your bags, tell them that you didn't take it, that it must've been an oversight. And then he says, and it, and, it, and it, and you kind of think it, it took him a while to get there. He finally realizes, with all this fear that he has of of, of losing two more sons, because he doesn't want to send Benjamin, and really he's more concerned about losing Benjamin. I think every indication is he would he would be able to he would get over it if Simeon doesn't come back. He doesn't want to lose Benjamin, and finally, it's as if Israel remembers wrestling with God, and he finally thinks, I, you know what? I should probably pray to God about this. Why are we this way? He's thinking about all these worldly solutions. All right, let's 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 give double the money back. Here, take some pistachios, some almonds. These were considered to be good gifts. Some honey. I mean, we got a Day here. He's taking nuts back to him. And he goes, let's, let's take all this back to him. Uh, I want you to have all this stuff. Give him a lot of gifts and, and, and show a lot of respect. Give him all the money back. And then all of a sudden, it's almost like Israel goes, oh, well, I think I'll pray over you before you leave. Um, it's it's like we want to cover all the bases, and then we look to prayer as the very last thing that we do. And I guess I could pray about it. No, that should be the first thing we do. From the very beginning, Israel should have said, I'm going to give this to God. It's obvious we're going to starve to death, okay? And, and, And God has allowed this to happen, so I trust that God knows what he's doing, and whatever he does is right. And you know what? I'm going to send Benjamin back if that's what this man uh, has required for us to get the grain. Obviously God uh, has set up a plan for us not to starve to death, and I'm going to I'm going to take you guys and I'm going to sit here and we're going to pray together and I'm going to pray God's blessing and protection over you, then I'll send you. It takes him a while to get to that. But thank goodness he does. And why don't we learn from that? Why don't we get to that first? Why don't we why don't we the first of all the things we think we can't control the greatest power that we have is prayer, and sadly, speaking for myself, we rarely use it like we should. And, and he's made it readily available to us. I think about the, the quote from Billy Graham, who's gone on to, to glory. Billy, tell us what you need when you're going to be doing one of these citywides. And he said, I need three things. I need prayer, prayer, and prayer. That's what I need. And uh, and so uh, finally we get to that, and Israel does say that may Almighty God grant you mercy before the man. He's acknowledging that it's God's call on what's going to happen. And he finally says, if it is God's plan that I lose more children, then it is what it is. I'll deal with it. So off they go. Uh, they go to Egypt uh, 15 through 17, so the men took this present, the stuff he told them to take to grease the wheel a little bit. They took double the money, more greasing of the wheel with them, and Benjamin, and they arose and went down to Egypt, and they stood before Joseph. So here we go. So they they go to Egypt. They got Benjamin. They've got double the money. They've got the gifts, and they stand before Joseph. What a moment. What a moment when everything God had told Joseph was going to happen keeps happening, And here's this moment that Joseph's been waiting on. It took him a few years to run out of grain. Who knows where he's got Simeon, okay? He's got him uh, in some sort of custody, and he keeps looking. He wants to know. He wants to see Benjamin because when when they sold him into slavery, Benjamin was just a toddler, and he's been waiting on this moment. And here they stand before Joseph in verse 16. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready for the men are to dine with me at noon. So um, Joseph's first move, which this is a really big deal for foreigners. Of course, to Joseph, they're not foreigners, but if he's appearing as an Egyptian to these other Egyptians, we don't invite the Hebrews into our house to eat. Okay? And so he, he sees them. He tells the steward of his house, prepare a meal for them. And, and, and that's the first thing he thinks of when he sees Benjamin. He wants to spend time with these brothers. Now look at 18 through 19. And the men were afraid because they brought they were brought to Joseph's house, and they said, it is because of the money which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we are brought in here so that he may assault us and fall upon us to make us servants and seize our donkeys. That's what's about to happen. So their reaction is this is a setup. They know about the money. They knew that the Hebrews would not be invited into some man with this kind of power's house to eat. They're like, he's taking us in here for them to they, they're going to come down on us. We're going to be punished for taking this money. They're going to take our donkeys. They're going to take our stuff. They were terrified that uh, they were about to find themselves in a bad, bad place. Verse 19. So they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke to him at the door of the house. So despite the welcome, they're still afraid because they're worried about this money. So, what you're going to see next, and, and I, have you ever been in this situation? You're looking for somebody to own up to it before you get in trouble. We got to tell somebody about this money. I mean, so so let's, let's let them know. Hey, we not keeping the money. We got the money. A preemptive strike, so that the this man's punishment to us will either be maybe done away with, or at least it'll be less severe if we own up to it. So look what happens in 20, and uh, and they said, "Oh my lord." We came down the first time to buy food. Hey, you might remember us, because this steward worked with Joseph. He's part of the dispensing of the grain. You might remember we came the first time uh, to buy food, 21, and when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks, and there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack. Our money is full weight, so we have brought it again with us, 22, and we have brought other money down with us to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. Okay, just so you know, we didn't take the money. And and you know what they're really thinking? Can you get word to the guy whose house we're in? We didn't take the money. We don't know how it got in our sack. We found it. We've brought it back. We have it with us. Going to give it back. And we're also brought money to buy more grain. So we got double the money. You guys are going to get the—we're going to pay for the grain we got last time, and we're going to pay for the grain that we're going to get today. Just, hey, so you know, we didn't keep the money. Now look what what happens next. Now imagine how this felt in 23. And the steward replied to the brothers, peace to you. Do not be afraid. And then this pagan says something extremely interesting. Your God and the God of your father— has put treasure in your sacks for you. I received the money, meaning, oh, I, I'm the one to put them in. I, I was told to put them back in your sack. And the reason why you guys got it back is because the God that you serve and the God of your father. Can you see to where Joseph is having impact on everybody that God puts him around? His steward is now, and, and you, know, you don't know if he's fully committed to the God uh, uh, of Joseph, but he he knows about him. Joseph's been telling him about it. And he's saying, I'll tell you why you guys are blessed is because of the God that you serve and the God of your father. This is a blessing from God. Isn't that interesting that an Egyptian would be telling these Hebrews that? But this is a guy that spent around Joseph. And he said, I received the money. And then look what he did next. Then he brought Simeon out to them. Simeon's back. So now... They've been told the money's all good. Keep it. Okay? We don't have a problem with the money. And you're not in trouble about that. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. That's a blessing from your God. Your God is protecting you. And, oh, by the way, here's Simeon back. So this has got to be feeling pretty good right now uh, that, that now Simeon's back in the mix. Uh, so now let's, let's look at uh, what happened after they've been put at ease that God is taking care of them, and here's what's beautiful: God is taking care of these brothers through who, Joseph. Remember when I said there's type of Christ throughout all the Old Testament, and it's not just people. The Ark is a type of Christ. You know, when, when you look at the when you see the Ark, what what do we see? Well, we see that uh, with God's wrath coming, everybody that got inside the protection of the Ark. Uh, they were not destroyed by God's wrath, and everybody who didn't get in the ark was destroyed. It's a type of Christ. It's it's all foreshadowing. And now here's Joseph, a type of Christ. He's now delivered his brothers uh, from 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 the wrath of the Egyptians. He's delivered them from that. He's representing God, and he's delivered them from that. He's delivered Simeon now out of bondage, and and so they're 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 reuniting, and uh, and he he's got um. um He's got everything that he's starting to resolve for them. And he said, you know, I I received the silver. I was part of the team that was doing that. Hey, guys, you're okay. Isn't that a great feeling when you think you have a debt to pay and you think there's nothing you can do and and you can't pay this debt and you got problems? And somebody looks at you and said, we're fine, we're good. Isn't it wonderful to know that because of Jesus Christ, everybody in this room, everybody watching this, everybody listening to this, if you've been justified by Jesus Christ, he has delivered us from bondage, and he he can come back to each and every one of us and say, We know about the sin debt. We know all about it. But the God that you serve has delivered you from that sin debt, and he did that through me, his son. You're good, How does that feel? And you would think it would have a response of of at least thankfulness from us. I hope we haven't gotten to the point that we almost feel like we deserve that. Let me tell you what we deserve. We deserved hell. That's what we deserve. But God uh, allowed us grace, and that's why you see this foreshadowing the coming Messiah. So in verse 23, we see good news for the guys in verse 24. And when the man had uh, brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water and they had washed their feet, and when they had given their donkeys fodder, they prepared, verse 25, they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they had heard that they should eat bread there. So this is pretty typical. You know, There's no lights back in these days. So a meal like this would actually happen in the light of day. And so um, God's taking care of them through through Joseph. They're excited about that. They get their gifts out, uh, and they, they're going to give those to Joseph. Of course, they don't know it's Joseph uh, when, uh, when he arrives, and they're preparing for that, and they know they're going to eat at noon. They have bathed them. They have washed their feet. Very uncommon for the Egyptians to do this for Hebrews. Uh, and then we get to uh, verse 26. When Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present they had with them, and they bowed down to him to the ground. Well, they, they bowed to him a lot, aren't they? Yeah, and, and suddenly the little dream that Joseph had uh, seems to be coming true every time they turn around, 27. And he inquired about their welfare and said, Is your father well? The old man of whom you spoke, is he still alive? Do you think they're finding this question to be odd that, that they keep being asked about their father? Do, do, do you think anything's even registered with them at all? It's really not because they're so terrified uh, that uh, that at any moment the Egyptians are going to say, you know what, this has all been a setup. It, they're, they're more at ease now than they were, no doubt about that, but they're probably so consumed with that. They're not really picking up that the, this guy really asked about our dad a lot. Uh, and uh, And they bowed their heads. And, and, and they said to him in 28, your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. So r- look what they keep saying to him. Your servant, our father. They bowed their heads. They're, they're prostrate in front of him. Uh, they're, they're showing so much respect. They're watching every move to be sure that they don't do anything to offend, and they have no idea this is Joseph. Everything that Joseph had been shown in the dream was coming true, and then something happens. If if you're not picking up on the fact he keeps asking about your dad, this is a moment that the, 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 the brothers are going to be like, what? Verse 29, And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin his mother's son, so that's his only full-blood brother, and said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? And then Joseph says to this person who they think he's never met before in his life. And all of a sudden, this governor in Egypt looks at Benjamin, who he's never seen, and he keeps asking us about, and he blesses him. And so he looks to Benjamin and said, God be gracious to you, my son. Do you think, that is, there, is you know, have you ever been in a situation where you're kind of afraid and you don't need to do anything wrong and your eyes get cut around, you're with some guys, you know each other, these are all the brothers. You don't think this wasn't a moment where they start cutting eyes at each other like and making faces like, what? what did, what did he say? And then I think he's he just said God he's blessing him, and you know, and then you're thinking to yourself, he doesn't. How does he know Joseph? I mean, how does he know Benjamin? And, uh, and he doesn't know anything about him. Why is he blessing our younger brother? He didn't say that to us. You know, remember Benjamin's innocent in all this. Benjamin's a toddler. He didn't he didn't put Joseph in slavery. You know, the last time he sees him, it's his only full blood brother. It's his little toddler brother. Now he sees him. Grown up as a young man, and he says to him, God be gracious to you, my son. And then watch this move in 30. Watch this move in 30. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, singular, and he sought a place to weep, and he entered his chamber, and he wept there. So when he blesses Benjamin, he is so overcome with emotion, he has to leave the room and find a place to weep. This is that moment where even though he has risen to power, he's been through so much. I don't know that you as men or any of you out there, men or women, have you ever had the moment where you've been through stuff that is so difficult and so hard? and 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 even though you're you're being delivered from it and God is being good and God is comforting you there's the weight of everything you've been through and there becomes a moment where it all just kind of floods on you and 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 you're so overcome with emotion you just weep God is so good but what I've been through was still so hard and here I am and there's Benjamin There's the brother that I didn't know if I would ever see again. Here are these brothers. My dad is still alive. There's a chance, if God so wills it, that I may see my whole family again. And he's overcome with emotion, and he goes in to to weep and to gather himself. Look at 31. Then he washed his face and came out. And controlling himself, he said, serve the food. So he gathered himself together. He's not ready to reveal everything yet, mainly because he's still testing these brothers. You can tell he's waiting on God's direction. he's, He's trying to walk through this process and vet them out to decide what he is going to do, and he's certainly going to do whatever God tells him to do. But can I tell you something interesting about this washing of his face? Obviously, he's wept, and He's gonna clean his face up and he wants to come out and present himself as still authoritative and and in control. And and men didn't really weep in front of people anyway in this culture. But did you know that nowhere in the Old Testament, no and and it's I'm not trying to unpack this as some profound thing, but nowhere in the Old Testament do we ever see again anyone referring to as washing their face. For some reason, in this moment, it it was important that Moses let us know. I mean, he could have just said he went in, uh, and uh, he wept, and then he gathered himself and said, "Serve the food." But Moses wants us to know that there was a process of him looking in that mirror, mirror, and washing his face. Now, remember, this face has changed a lot. He doesn't look like a Hebrew anymore, and so this this moment of him washing his face is is this this is a, him starting to to make that turn uh to seeing himself as the brother of these men because he has he has that that relationship is so severed and he's lived so long and lived a life that where he was not not part of this family thinking that he may never see them again and now he feels himself. You, you hear, the, Moses already said he started to feel a warm feeling for them. He's starting c- to connect back to these brothers as family. And and this is this is this is a. It's so important that Moses wants us to know about it. And um, have you ever been there before? Have you ever been in, in in a bathroom somewhere and been looking into a mirror and you got I got to gather myself. And you just look up in the mirror, and you get some water, and you throw it on your face. You know, maybe maybe it's waking up, maybe it's. But usually, that that's usually means what? I need clarity. I got to gather myself. I got to get my act together. I got to get ready for what's next. Really, there's no time for me to cry right now. I got to finish what I'm doing here, and I got to get back to it. So maybe there's a time for you that maybe watching this, listening to this, or in the room, maybe it's time for you to look in the mirror, wash your face, and get back to it. Maybe you've grieved long enough. Maybe you've wept long enough. Wash your face and get back to work. And so, uh, so Joseph doesn't eat with them, though. Look at 32. He wasn't quite ready to do something that would draw attention. They served him by himself and them by themselves, and then Moses doesn't leave us wondering why. Uh, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. Uh, you know what? He's only going to take this so far. He knows if he sits down, and starts eating with these Hebrews, everybody's going to be like, "What in the world? What are you doing?" They didn't do that. Uh, foreigners uh, and the Egyptians. You, you, if you were a foreigner. You never were, were brought to the table of an Egyptian and sat down and eat. With, hey, I'm gonna eat with you and the guys. No, you won't. Yeah, y'all eat over here. We're gonna eat over here. Uh, they they that was considered. He said abomination. Other commentary says they they thought that foreign people were detestable, and they had this attitude because it made you it made them so much easier to treat them like animals. You know, the Egyptians did not treat people very well. Uh, And in this case, you see Joseph being in a position where there's some grace to these people, but it was only going to be carried so far. They still were considered to be beneath the Egyptians. Joseph, of course, realizing that, did not push the envelope on that one. Verses 33 through 34. 33 through 34. And they set before him, now I want you to listen to this, when they feed the brothers, another indication, there's all kinds of hints that we're headed somewhere with this. That they are starting to to notice, and they set before him the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth, and the men looked at one another in amazement. Hey, they're sitting us in birth order. How, how do they know our birth order? Did, 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 did that be the one of those saying, Hey, are y'all picking up on this? I mean, Reuben's down here, and Benjamin's down here, and the rest of us are in line in the order that we were born. Would this not be an indicator? Would you not do things like, all right, he's blessing Benjamin. He set us in order of our birth. He keeps asking about our dad. Do you think any of them are starting to think, y- I don't think this might be Joseph, do you? Um, obviously, they're not recognizing him. Again, when they saw him, he was much younger, and he's appearing in, uh, as a— as an Egyptian, so they were astonished by the fact that they were seated in their birth order, and look what happens next. Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much of any of theirs, and they drank and were merry with him. Now, why do you think Joseph does this? Your first move may be, well, that's my that's my full blood brother. And that that could be some but That's not what he's doing, though. So when you see this happening, that's your first thought, but that that's not that's not really what's happening here. Remember what's going on. Remember what this whole process is about. The reason why Joseph is not just announcing, hey guys, anybody remember me? Which of course what what I would have done. Uh, if I was sold into slavery by my, by my siblings and, uh, and I found my way into the position that they needed food and all they had to do was get it for me, I got to tell you, it don't take long for me to tell them who I am. Okay. Well, well, well. Looks like y'all need grain. Guess who's El Capitan? <laughs> y'all, may, y'all may remember me when you threw me in a hole and left me to die and then sold me into slavery. Look who's in charge now. But Joseph, he's not doing that. What Joseph is doing is Joseph is testing his brothers to see if they're repentant. So why would this play into that? He's trying to see if they get jealous of Benjamin like they were of him. So he starts doting over Benjamin in front of them and giving Benjamin more than them and treating Benjamin as what? A favorite. And he wants to see how they react to that. He wants to see if they... Pass the test. And God does that with us. Remember, God does not tempt us, but God does uh, test us. And sometimes we pass that test and sometimes we fail. And sometimes the difficulty that you have been allowed to go through and I have been allowed to go through is God testing to see if we can be trusted. And Joseph is testing his brothers to see, can they be trusted with what? Reconciliation. If I reconcile myself to them, are they the kind of people that I can trust? Or would they look for this as just an opportunity to do wrong to me all over again? So a good indication in 34B is that they're passing the test. And they drank and were merry with him. Uh, and and now it does say here this word in Hebrew, it's indicating that they didn't drink a little. That they drank a lot. And and they they drank to the point they were feeling the alcohol, but when this was going on, they didn't seem to have any ill will toward the fact that Benjamin had received five times what they had received. It was a sign, as Joseph watched, that they had changed. Now, here's the question we have to ask ourselves. What signs in your life and what signs in my life indicate to the God who redeemed us that we've changed? Anything? Because you remember, be very, very careful... And, and we deal with this a lot, and it was one of the things I had to deal with, and uh, one of the guys in the class and I were just discussing this a little bit ago before um, it started. You know, and this is, this is this thing where you know people are trying to get their testimony right, and for some reason there seems to be this pressure that is put on. Oh, we need to know when you were justified, and we want to know the day, we want to know the hour, we want to know when it happened. And sometimes you're like, well, I mean, I, I know that I'm justified, I know that I've been changed, uh, and 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 I I know how long that I've believed, but let me tell you, if you're asking me when I could be trusted by God, I can tell you that. <laughs> but, you know, did I have enough belief? And one of the indicates indications that we keep hearing in Scripture is what fruit. What 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 does your life look like? if you're the kind of person that would go and throw your brother into slavery because you got jealous with him because he's daddy's favorite and then all of a sudden the other brother that is daddy's new favorite you also don't like him and you claim you changed but then when someone starts doting over this brother you're ready to kill him and throw him into slavery too well then you probably haven't been justified you probably haven't changed. you probably haven't repented and and you know when Jesus says, look people, throw my name around all the time in Matthew 7, and he's like, you know, there's people that claim they're casting out demons in my name. There's people claiming they're doing all this great ministry in my name. There's people claiming they're doing this in my name. But let me tell you when I test them, if you want to know who's real, I put them in situations like this. And he said, in the ones that pass the test, the ones that do the will of my father, They're the ones that will inherit the kingdom of heaven. To the others, I never knew them. I never knew them. And then he says before that, that a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Healthy trees don't hate the new brother the way they did the old brother. That means they haven't changed. And remember, Jesus doesn't say that healthy trees should not bear bad fruit. That's the way I used to say it. I thought, well, okay, that feels a little better to me. I'm still bearing bad fruit in my life, and I shouldn't do that, but I'm sure I'm still justified. And these are not stumbles. These these are deliberate, perpetual sins. Uh, But I believe in Jesus, always have. I remember when I was a little boy, and I went down forward, and I believed in Jesus, and I got baptized. Now, there's terrible fruit flowing out of my life, which I guess when we say that, when I I said that at one time in my life, so I'm going to talk about me. I don't know about you. When I was saying that, what I was basically telling the world is, Jesus is wonderful, but he can't change you. You're still the same person you always were. You're just not going to hell now because you said some prayer or you believe certain things. But a saving faith is when I repent of my sin, and I turn from my sin, and I leave my own authority, and what I deem is right and wrong, and I go under his authority, and I receive the Holy Spirit, and now I don't do these things because I feel his presence, and he's so powerful that he begins to produce fruit in me, as he says in John 15, that proves to his Father that I'm one of his disciples. He proves. So what's the proof that I am a disciple? That I bear the right fruit, that when I'm put in these situations, I pass. Why? Because of my devotion to him. I I, I want to be pleasing to the God that saved me. I've been changed because of his power and his redemption. And Jesus says, if the fruit that flows from you is not of me, well, then you're not a healthy tree. Because a healthy tree that abides in me and is connected to me, the vine. John fifteen. Because I'm so powerful, if you abide in me, then my power flows through you, and that proves that you're mine. That proves you've been justified. It's not legalistic. That's obedience. That's the power of God. And I fear a healthy fear, not not the sinful kind of fear. I I, I get concerned sometimes that the western church rightfully so rightfully so that the western church through the reformation which i celebrate the reformation and the reformation says we got to stop this 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 wrong theology that somehow our works earn us salvation that it's a works based salvation that was the right thing to do and we're going to do away with all this legalism the right thing to do but i'm so concerned because of all these other verses I just shared with you and, and this testing we see even here foreshadowing to the New Testament that in our correct desire to remove legalism from the church, that we've also removed obedience. And that's been, that's been a mistake. And that's why we have so many people that claim to be justified that just aren't, because the fruit would not confirm it. And there's a false sense of justification because we're so terrified of obedience and we incorrectly call obedience legalism when it's not. It's just the power of God. And Jesus said it himself that the people who have been justified, they don't live the way people who are not justified live because he's so powerful we just can't. And these brothers are being tested by Joseph, a type of Christ. And the good news is they seem to be having a great time with Benjamin, and they seem to bear him no ill will. And it looks like they're passing the test. The question is, do you pass the test? Do I pass the test? When sin is all around us. Our difficulty has been allowed in our lives. Do we pass the test? I'm justified. Prove it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the message today. Thank you for just the clarity of what we're seeing here and the foreshadowing to you. Thank you, Lord, for your word Thank you for um, how willing you are to teach those of us that are willing to be taught. Lord, may you shake the very foundation of any version of your church that does not preach obedience, that does not preach repentance, that does not preach a change that only you provide. A disciple is someone who bears much fruit, And someone who bears much fruit is a disciple. That's what you say. And what you say is all that matters. May we assess ourselves. And may we be found by you to be trustworthy as a disciple of you, Jesus. And for those that are watching this, listening to this, or even in the room, that this is something that they don't think has ever happened in their life, Lord. Thank you right now for loving us enough that you would say, do it now. Just repent. Turn from your sin. Leave faith in your own authority. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And abide in his power. And allow him to produce fruit in you that you could never produce on your own. If you're somebody in today's the first day you did that or the first time you meant that or you'd like to know more, just reach out to me, rick at burgessministries.com or rick at rickandbubba.com, whichever is easier for you to remember. And I would love to help you any way I can. Thank you, Lord, for the message, and thank you for these men who have made this a priority. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us.